Great news for Informed Pregnancy Plus subscribers. Dive into our Core Connection course included with your subscription. Hosted by Natalie Headings, a pre- and postnatal exercise specialist and ACSM certified personal trainer, she's an incredible teacher. This five-video series equips you with essential insights to understand what your pelvic floor and core are, how they work, and how to enhance pelvic floor and core strength and proper function during and after your pregnancy and birth. Learn about pelvic floor basics, key postural adjustments, effective muscle releases, and breathing techniques for a healthier core and floor. Don't wait. Visit informedpregnancy.tv and get started with the invaluable core connection today. Pregnancy and Parenting Podcast. I'm your host, pregnancy focus chiropractor, Dr. Elliot Berlin. You've tuned into the after story of a before and after birth journey. My guest today, Alessandra Torsani. Welcome back to the podcast. Oh this is so fun. <laughs> <laughs> my first time doing like a real human, like adult experience the past week. Last week, we were just saying at this time, I was in labor. So it's so fun how it's like, oh my gosh, I can't believe a week ago where I was and like where I am right now. You know, what's insane for you in particular at this moment is that when I talked to you like two weeks ago, you don't seem any different. You still seem like you. <laughs> you mean I don't seem tired? <laughs> no, you have like a nuclear power plant in you. I, you always have this crazy energy. Whew. It's a but different energy now, though. I bet it is different. I'm just saying, you're just like, hi, hey, how was your week? Yeah, well, you have to. You have to still be positive and be excited and have fun and treat things like with somewhat normalcy, if you will. I'm sure I will say things that don't make any sense when it comes to like doctor terms, but I'm going to try to be as informed as possible right now. Oh, and, and, that's and fitting the fun. theme, the informed yeah. pregnancy theme. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. All right, well, let's go back to this. You're at the end of your pregnancy and yeah. we do our little podcast. and your plans change drastically, drastically, drastically. My doctor was the fabulous Dr. Jay Goldberg, who had passed away. And I have to first and foremost say that truly like the blessing of all blessings. And it's like, this is why you're the like Jewish God that the news of the unfortunate passing came through you, which I truly appreciated because you understood that I'm a very sensitive person that like hearing it from just a doctor's office, I think would have been such a shock to my system, even more so than what it was, but, you know, really just like, I don't think I could have been able to handle it and process it. So I thank you so much for you being the one, you know, and being there to kind of like go through it in my head and stuff. But it was so crazy to me because I had seen this person on a Thursday and then I was getting a phone call on, you know, a Sunday or a Monday morning that I was not seeing them that week. And I think that I've experienced losing people in my life and close people in my life. But I think that this was such a shock to 
obviously everyone, but specifically to me in this situation, because it took me so long to finally be comfortable with a doctor. Cause I've had so many issues with doctors my whole life that I felt such a connection and such a bond to this person that I just was like, now what? Because now the entire plan, everything that I've set in stone and I'm a planner is going out the window. And I knew like things would have to pivot in the pregnancy and in labor and in delivery and in baby life. But I didn't think it would happen literally two weeks before my daughter came into the world. And so you pivot, you know, and you helped me find, you know, another wonderful doctor, Dr. Finke, who was in the same women's care group. And that worked out wonderful where I got to meet another wonderful human. And I was like, okay, you know, met a couple other doctors too, that they had set me up with. We didn't really vibe. I vibed with Dr. Finke. My mom vibed with Dr. Finke. Sturgis vibe with Dr. Finke. I was like, this is going to be great. Like I feel so excited about this birth. And there was no rush because that's what we had talked about is I just didn't want to be induced. I didn't want someone to put pressure on me. If I went over my due date, none of that. And so then everything changed once again, all over. Yeah. <laughs> so before you thought, how long had you been seeing Dr. Goldberg? Just since the pregnancy. He okay. How did you find OB. him? I found him through one of my closest girlfriends, Jennifer Masoni, who he delivered her son, Elliot, and had been her OB for years and years and years. And Jennifer and I are very similar with our, you know, we played sisters in a movie, so we always laugh that we're sisters, <laughs> but I look to her as my idol as what a female like badass should be when it comes to pregnancy and health and, you know, taking care of yourself. And I trusted her more than anyone of who her doctor was for her baby's delivery, because I knew whoever was delivering her child respected what she wanted, but was also a brilliant person that was able to help out if push came to shove, the worst thing would happen of an emergency C-section or like, you know, something drastic in the doctor world, right? For that situation. I knew that whoever she picked, I, I would trust them. I think it's hard for people outside of Los Angeles to really understand how unique Dr. Goldberg was just so right. experienced. And from that experience was able to bring a sense of calm, not panic yeah. to things. And, you know, you just knew that if something needed intervention or if you would uh, trust, yeah, first of all, he would not miss it. He would just mm -hmm. jump in and take care of it. And also that you knew you needed it. Otherwise, he wouldn't be saying it. Otherwise, he wouldn't be suggesting it and saying, it, you know, and he would laugh at me all the time of all my, you know, woo woo ideas that I had. And he's like, that's great. But like, this is what's really going to happen. <laughs> you know, <laughs> But I trusted where I didn't feel you know, when I interviewed some other doctors afterwards, before I decided to go with Dr. Finke, you know, a lot of the doctors were like, yeah, but you know, you're almost to your due date. And if you hit your due date, like the baby needs to come out. That's very bad, all this stuff. And I'm like, but why would I trust you? You know, there was no trust that had been built up. And I think, cause I live with you know, bipolar disorder. And I'd been misdiagnosed my entire life by different doctors and, you know, screwed over here and there. It really takes a lot for me to trust a doctor and it takes a lot of time. And so it felt like 
I finally found that person and then it was like ripped away. And then what do you do? You know, so it was kind of the the best thing that I ever got from Jennifer, the best advice I ever got. She said, it doesn't matter what doctor is in the delivery room with you. It's about what doctor has been there with you through the entire journey, because Mm -hmm. that's where you've spent the most time. That's where you're coherent and aware of what's going on. That's when you need the guidance, when you need the support and the love. When you're in the room, you are just like focused on get this baby out of me. If there's an emergency, I want to make sure there's a great surgeon there, you know, who I trust. But that's not the magical moment. The magical moment, she said, you had times 100 for the whole, you know, eight months prior before. So that was really reassuring to hear and really nice to hear. Because now after going through what I went through, I go, wow, it's so true. Like, it's all about who the nurses are and your support system in the delivery room. It's not really Mm -hmm. about who the doctor is. It's kind of irrelevant at that point. It's just get a good surgeon. (laughs) Hmm. That's really true. I mean, generally the way the model works is they don't come till the very end anyway. So they're there, they're available, they're accessible in terms of following your progress and helping make decisions. But in the room around you, it's not their energy. Right, exactly. It's not. Um, yeah, it was so strange. I called you and a few other people who I knew who were due very soon with Dr. Goldberg before I really even accepted in my heart and mind that he was gone. He was super young, 53, and super healthy. And, so uh, healthy. You know, it's just a very big shock. And kind so of levels. a weird thing that happened, too, to me was, you know, he had sat with me on Thursday and I had gone to the wrong appointment time. It was supposed to be a Friday. He made time for me. No questions asked. He sat and talked to me for 20 minutes about life and about mental health. And it was this really like kind of intense conversation that we had as a last conversation. But what was interesting was I kind of had in my mind that he wasn't going to be there during my birth because he was taking his son to Peru on my due date. And he said to me on that Thursday, he says, now what's going to happen if you go in labor around your due date and I'm not in town? I go, well, don't worry. Like my baby's not coming on the due date. Like she's either coming before or after she's either coming this weekend or she's coming in July, you know? (laughs) And he says, okay, well, I just want to let you know, like, I won't be here. So we have to plan, you know, you have to get in your head. Like I may not be there, you know? And I said, that's totally fine. Like, don't worry about it. So I had prepped the entire weekend with my husband being like, okay, so he's not going to be there. Let's just assume, you know, do I trust everyone at that office? Yes, I do. Like everything's going to be fine. So it was this really weird moment afterwards where I was like, why did he say that? You know what I mean? And then you're like, you get in your head and you can think about everything, but it was almost like I had it in my head beforehand that he wasn't going to be there and that it was okay because he was there always, you know? So it was, is wild. I mean, so powerful, you know, he was very, very funny. And in a way that, you know, laughter is medicine. Yeah. Funny. And I make jokes partially because I'm face blinded. It's a long story, but I've been making jokes since I'm little. I could write the book of dad jokes. And it was weird dynamic when once in yeah. a while we'd be at a birth together. You know, <laughs> I'm sort of the doula and he's the doctor. And for a client, a woman who's in labor, who's open-minded and really is calm by comedy, right. it was basically open mic night. I mean, that is so fun. Like that is something that I definitely missed out on. (laughs) And we used to joke amongst ourselves, like my office and say, oh yeah, my doctor's Jake Goldberg. I'm like, oh, that's so terrible because I like to be the funny one on the team. (laughs) Anyway, he sent a patient to me on Thursday 
the Thursday that you saw him, I suppose. <gasps> oh, wow. And then he passed on a Sunday. And then she came to see me literally during his funeral on Wednesday. Right. And I saw in the paper she wrote, who referred you? And she wrote Dr. Jay Goldberg. And I just walked in there and I said, I'm so sorry. And she just broke down Aww. in tears crying. I mean, so many people did. And she said, I have to tell you that when he gave me the referral, he asked me to give you a message. What was the um, message? He said he wanted you to know that he's funnier and better looking than you. <laughs> he's never sent a message with a client before. And I'm like, how do you get the last laugh? Like, what am I supposed to say? One out oh, of two yeah. ain't bad. He's not here anymore. Well, I'll tell you, he was so mad on that Thursday that I was interviewing you and not him that I didn't bring in my <laughs> roadcaster. Yes. So you got that going for you. He was like, just bring the roadcaster. And he's like, we got great banter. Just bring a mic. It would be really funny. Like, I don't understand. Like, why didn't you ask me to be in the podcast yet? It's ridiculous. You know? Oh, but that's so funny. Oh, that's so great. I love that. I mean, I had to say, like, my whole journey, experience, everything, this whole adventure would never have happened if it wasn't for him. And truly, I have to say, like, I found Alicia Tambury, my hypnobirthing coach through him. I then found every connection of like all these incredible people, whether that I interviewed on the podcast, whether that I had just part of the birthing process, all came from literally like his library that like every time I would go in there, I'd see a book or I'd see someone's name and I'd like Google who they were. So he is the base of the entire pregnancy. And so I hope he knows like how amazing he was and everyone knows that. And I hope his kids and wife know and that they're, you know, blessed and taken care of, you know, because that's a really tough, you know, now fourth journey for them. You know, I think that that's really hard. Yeah. Well, I want to hear your birth story. We're yeah. going to take a little break, but if okay. you're curious listeners about Jay Goldberg, we have an episode of our podcast called the pregnancy taboos or something like that. And you'll really get a sense for his approach and his Which, unique style. When I brought up that episode to him on that Thursday, he goes, yeah. He's like, you didn't have to listen to that episode. I told you all of that already. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I will say this long time ago when it came out, I just reposted it as a tribute, but a long time ago when it came out, it was on par with our celebrity guest episodes wow. in terms of its popularity and downloads. Cause it's it so just, funny. It's funny and it's calming and everything's so serious about pregnancy yeah. and so scare tactic oriented. And it just puts, oh, I'm pregnant. I'm having a baby. It's yeah, like, yeah. you know, I eat a sandwich and I'm going to poo. It's not he's exactly like, the same. He's like, have a smoke. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it's a normal biological process and, you know, everything's going to be okay. And yep. he had that effect on people. All right, let's take a break. We'll be right back to find out your birth story. This episode is sponsored by an innovative product that's made a big difference for parents and babies alike, Dr. Mom Butt Bomb. As a parent of four, I've had my fair share of battles with diaper rash, often resorting to thick, unpleasant pastes. I only recently discovered Dr. Mom Butt Bomb, and I was immediately impressed by its pleasant consistency and ease of application. This pediatric-approved skin protectant is free from dyes, preservatives, and zinc oxide, making it perfect for your baby's sensitive skin. It's designed by a doctor who's also a mom, ensuring your little one gets the gentlest care. A small dab is all it takes to soothe and protect, avoiding the mess and hassle of traditional treatments. With ingredients like dimethicone and petrolatum, 
Dr. Mom Butt Bomb not only soothes, but also restores your baby's delicate skin. Available on Amazon.com and Walmart.com, it's the smart choice for every parent wanting to keep diaper rash at bay. Remember, with Dr. Mom Butt Bomb, nothing comes between you and your baby. Not even diaper rash. Welcome back. We're talking about Alessandra. Okay, how did the last couple of days of your pregnancy go? Well, it's really funny. The last couple of days, I like remember, but I also don't remember. It's only been six days since I gave birth. And I can't even remember being pregnant. It's the most bizarre feeling in the entire world. Like I can't remember having a belly. Like it's so strange how your mind works, but I had so much energy and I was feeling great. And I think I came to you not even a week, maybe five days before, I think five days before I gave birth. And I remember just wanting to do everything that I possibly could to make sure my body was in an alignment and my mind was in an alignment. You know, I wanted to make sure that everything was ready to go. Mm -hmm. And I think the weirdest thing about being pregnant in the end, when you're close to your due date is not knowing when it's going to happen. So like I said earlier in the podcast, I'm such a planner. I could not plan anything. And I was like, The only thing that I need to plan right now is I need to get my hair done because if I don't get it done now, it's never going to happen. I need to get my nails done. And these were things that I thought about and that I did, but I had so much energy. I just was filled with energy. I wasn't tired. There was nothing that was really different going on except for an even more burst of energy. So the day before Father's Day, which was a Saturday, I went to lunch with my mom and we ran into another one of my friends who's due in July and a couple other friends. And every one of them goes, oh my God, isn't today your due date? Why are you out? And I said, it is, but what am I supposed to do? You know, I'm not going to sit at home. You know, I'm feeling great. I had my blueberry pancakes. I had my hash browns. I was feeling awesome. And one of my friend's husband said, you know, you should go and get the salad dressing at this like famous restaurant in LA Uh, in case you want to coyote. Yes. In case you want to go in labor. And I was like, no, I'm not ready yet. You know, I'm like, (laughs) give me a week and then we'll go from there. And when I had gone into the doctor, probably five days prior, I think I went in either the day I saw you or the day after I saw you. He said to me, okay, well, you're one centimeter dilated. And he said, I would assume that it's going to happen within five days. And I was like, really? You know, so it was the countdown of five days, you know, of like, that's what I thought. And he says, and if you go over, you know, that's fine too. Then we're just going to do the stress test, the non-stress test, non-stress test, NST. So they wanted to do the NST for the following Wednesday. If I didn't go into labor and I was like, great, you know, awesome. No big deal. That's fine. You know, but the thing about Dr. Finke, which was so amazing is there was no stress. It was not like, okay, if you go a day over, we need to induce you. He was like, no, you just come in. We do the NST. We'll go from there. Like not a big deal. I was like, oh gosh, someone understands me. I'm like relaxed. But it was funny because I had more people writing me being like, can't you just wait for the baby to come out? Can't you just wait for the baby to come out? And I was like, no, I don't. I don't want the baby to come out. She's going to come out when she wants to come out. You know, she's cooking still like she's not ready, you know. And so that night I started getting really bad contractions. 
like what early in the evening. That? Like I would have like cramping and I would be like, ooh, ooh, that hurts. Like an unfamiliar feeling that I never felt before. Okay, slow down one second. Were you having some activity before that? Um, A little bit here and there, but like it would come at night and I never had the cramps before. I never really had Braxton Hicks the entire pregnancy. So the last like two weeks I would have it at night, but then it didn't feel like it was in quote unquote contractions. It kind of just felt like, oh, it's a little tightness, you know, and then it stops, you know what I mean? Activity going on. Yeah. But you said these were bad. So these were like, Ooh, like a little stronger. And I remember that when I came to you, you were like, well, yep. Baby's head is definitely down. Like everything was like in the right way, you know, for amusement purposes only for for amusement purposes. (laughs) But I just felt like cramping. And I said, well, let's go to dinner. I was like, because this probably is our last dinner, you know? And my husband's like, really? I was like, that's ominous. Yeah. And so we went to sushi and I don't eat fish, but I love a tempura. So we go there and they said to me, they go, Oh, when are you due? And I was like, yesterday. (laughs) (laughs) And they were like, what? You know, it was the same day I said today. So I went to eat. And then that night I came home and I didn't have one cramp. And so I thought, Oh, okay. Well, I guess it's not happening, you know. Wait a second. Maybe tempura is the secret Maybe to tem- those I'm telling menstrual you. cramps. We, I'm thinking, who knows? I'm thinking tempura did it. Vitamin uh, T. That's right. And then in the morning, I woke up at seven in the morning to a cramp and I went, oh, like this. And I like shot out of bed and then water. And I was like, <gasps> oh, oh, okay. Ooh. Is this my water breaking? Because it wasn't a lot of water. It was like a little spot, but I was like, that's weird. This doesn't feel like the movies, you know, uh, the it big gush in aisle yeah, seven. <laughs> right. It doesn't feel like that, but it feels like that, you know. Was the cramp in the front? Yes, it was in the okay. front. Yes. Front cramp. Is that how you can tell? Like, I don't know. No, I mean, some people feel them in the front or back or both. Was it reminiscent for you of menstrual cramp? Uh. Yes, kind of. Yeah. But it was just one sharp cramp. And then that was it. And then it went Mm -hmm. away. Okay. And so I turned to my husband. I said, good morning. I was like, I think my water broke. (laughs) I'm not sure. I said, but I'm going to take a shower and I'm going to wash my hair and I'm going to curl my hair and we're going to go from there. And he was like, what? And he like pops out of bed and starts like scrambling around the house. And I was like, no, no, no. This is going to take so long. Like, this is not something to prep about. Like, don't get excited yet. Go back to bed. You're going to need sleep. So I took a shower at that point when I got out of the shower and I used the restroom, when I peed, I lost my mucus plug. And Tell so me more was, about that. Yeah. Like the- wow. That's weird. That's a weird thing too. That's not that cute. Describe it for the uh, curious. Oh, it's like a loogie. I don't know. That's what I would say. It's like so nasty. And I big was or small, big. And my mom was staying down the street and I had called her and I was like, I think I lost this. Like, I think this. she was like hundred percent. She's like, but we're timing your things, you know, cause Dr. Finky said, do not come to the hospital, you know, what about unless color? a little bloody, but not crazy. You mostly know, Lukey color. Yeah. Mostly like that. Am I too investigative about the plug? No, 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 <laughs> not at all. I'm really into this stuff. So I'm oh, like, people always ask, like, what is it going to look like? It's uh, like a giant loogie. Like that's that what just it would comes say. out of the who it's a, yeah, hoogie. and you're like, Whoa, like that's bizarre. What's this, you know? Okay. And then there was light spotting. So mm. I would say it would be like a light period. That's what right, it was like. Right after. Red or 
No, no, no. Like pale pink, like very, very, very pale. But that's the first time that I've seen any color where I was like, whoa, you know what I mean? Like through my pregnancy, like, so it was like kind of off putting, Mm. but he said, you know, when you have contractions every two minutes for about three hours straight, then come into the hospital every two minutes. Mm -hmm. Wow. Okay. That's close together. So I was like, that's fine. You know, it'll work for me. So my nails started chipping and I was like, oh, shoot. I was like, I got to go get my nails done. (laughs) So I went to get my nails done with my mom. The nail salon, I've been going to them forever. They were like, are you having the baby right here? They asked my mom if I was going to have the baby right there. I had three contractions while they were doing my nails. My mom took pictures. We were breathing through the contractions. And Sturgis was like, you know, I knew who I married and I knew who I was getting pregnant, but I cannot believe that you went and you got your nails done while (laughs) you were in labor. And I was like, well, you know, I don't know. But at this point, it was still every six minutes. I feel like waxing would have been even more. No, that would have been crazy. crazy. (laughs) Once I'm here. Yeah, I'm here. It was about every six minutes. So I knew I still had a long time to go, you know, and I was doing all my hypnobirthing. I was doing my affirmations. I was doing your nails in 18 minutes. Yeah. I just needed a change, a polish change. They I look need great. That nail you know? place. They yeah. just take forever. They a, no, they did a great job. I don't job. even get polish. I think they couldn't wait to get me the F out, out of there <laughs> because I was <laughs> like hyperventilating. I like, picture they had one of those ladies know. on each of your nails. Just yeah, literally, literally <laughs> like freaking out. Yeah. And then I honestly, you know, came back to the house. And it was every six minutes and I was so hungry. And my mom's like, okay, well, if you're going to eat, I think you need to eat now, you know, because you're not going to be able to eat in the hospital. Who knows how long this could last. And what's so funny is my mom was 42 weeks pregnant when she gave birth to me. So everyone in the family has always been two weeks. So Mm -hmm. she kind of knew the process. Her mucus plug, she lost it at seven in the morning and she gave birth to me at 846 PM later that day. So her trajectory of like her, you know, labor process was quite similar to mine. Mm-hmm. So she was like, okay, this is going to happen later in the afternoon. It's noon. We should probably eat now. So you're not like, you know, and I said, okay, I want Il Tremazino. It's my favorite restaurant. I want my penne marinara. I want a caprese sandwich. Like, let's just do this and go from there. Great. I do that. I write Alicia Tamburi. I go, by the way, I think I'm in labor. Everything's great. We'll let you know if there's any problem, you know, if I need any help, you know, okay, keep me updated, blah, blah, blah. My contractions jumped from six minutes to probably four to three minutes really fast. And the labor, the contractions went from the front immediately to a hundred percent in the back. Oh no. Wow. Okay. I always wanted to record some of the video of me having labor, like pains, you know? So I kind of set up a camera and I forgot about it. Oh, and oh, it was on and it was on. And I had my mom holding me up, Sturgis behind me doing the like, you know, the confusing the number eight spine, like hypnobirthing oh. thing on my back. So I figure feel my back figure eights. Thank you. On my back, walking around the whole place. But it was the weirdest sensation because I have a high pain tolerance. You know this, like I'm very high pain tolerance. There was not a moment that would go by with these contractions where I didn't think I was like dying, truly. 
it was so bad in my back because I couldn't stand. I couldn't sit. I couldn't be on the birth ball. I couldn't lean over. No matter what I did, I felt like I was having back spasms and I was like paralyzed at the same time. Oh my. Can I ask two questions? Yeah, real yeah sure. Was the intensity like that during the surge only or even in between? In between as well. Yeah. Oh, wow. So there's no break and no comfortable no position. No, there was no comfortable position. There was no break. And I mean, it jumped from the front to the back so fast. And so you're saying the intensity in the front was not as strong Nothing. as the intensity. No, I didn't have anything in the front. I was like, give me the front. Like I can handle that, you know, but it was so bizarre being in the back spasm because it was like, I've had back spasms before where you're just paralyzed. You know, you can't do anything about it. And it was so weird because I was not thinking that, oh, your back is going to spasm. You know, I just I didn't think that that was ever going to happen to me. I think people really think about back when they think about birth. But is this all being recorded on your secret camera? Um, we had about 15 minutes and it went from me being in a T-shirt to completely naked because I was hyperventilating because I was so hot. I just couldn't even breathe and be comfortable. And I couldn't even cry. That's how much pain I was in. Like oh I wanted goodness. to cry so badly. And so at this point I was like, okay, now it had then gone every two minutes and I couldn't even stand up. And I was so scared to go in the car. Cause I'm like, how am I going to sit in a car? Oh, wow. How far are you from the hospital? About 22 minutes. So it wasn't bad. And that oh, was that's like, a traffic. very specific a about well, because I, 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 gonna... I remember we had that on that Google Maps. That's right. Uh, so the car was all packed, like everything was all great. And at six o'clock, I turned to my husband. I said, we need to go to the hospital because yeah. now I'm getting a little nervous. You know, when we head to the hospital and of course we hit Hollywood and six police cars pop out in front of us and pull out and guns are pulled and they're off to get some guy that like went into a street. So they had a street closure <gasps> and I was like, just drive, just drive. And my mom was following us behind in her car. I was like, just go, you know, oh, and we hit potholes. And where I, are you in the car? In the front seat. Yeah. Sitting in the front seat, sitting in the front seat. But like the way that I had had myself positioned was almost like as if I straightened out my legs and like had per I was only comfortable when I had perfect posture. That was the oh. only time that I could handle being in the back labor pains as if oh. I stood up. Is up that straight. back labor like literally the bottom, bottom, bottom of your spine? On top of the, the whole pelvis. spine, and it went all the way down to my toes every time oh I had a contraction. It was like both, a sciatic both, nerve. Both sides? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Wow. It was like okay. sciatic pain. So, guns drawn. You pull push up, past it. <laughs> push past it, pull up to the hospital, and Sturgis was going to, of course, the valet was not there. It was Father's Day, Sunday. And I was like, wow, what a gift you're getting today for Father's <laughs> Day. And by the way, I can't wait to see what you get him next year oh god not <laughs> another baby um and he valeted my car my mom's car and they were like we really want to get a wheelchair for you ma'am and i was like i cannot sit like i cannot move and i was like no and i just stormed as fast as i could up there because at this point i was having contractions about every minute and a half i would say oh, you know wow. so you um, followed instructions yeah so i just went right up there and, and still in your back all in my back it never stopped in my back. Never. You moved. know what? I would be a terrible podcaster if we didn't take a little break here at the suspenseful moment. Oh, yeah. 
Take a I can't wait to see what happens after these little commercials. <laughs> we'll be right back. <laughs> Welcome back. All right, you're on fire. They want to put you in a wheelchair. And if anything, it sounds like a wheelchair is the wrong thing. It's more like that luggage transportation thing at the hotel. Yes, exactly. Stand and stand and hold on to something. Yeah. Yeah. And at this point, you know, I had been laboring for, you know, X amount of hours since seven o'clock and the contractions were getting bad at like, you know, I was feeling them in my back at around 10, 11 a.m. So, I mean, we're talking a long time for me to have been going through all of this. And when I got to the hospital, they wanted me to sign all these papers and I had my mom do it. And they're like, no, she can't do it. You have to do it. And I was like, I don't know how people have the energy to scream during labor. You know, my mom was the same way. She never understood it because I was so internally in so much pain that I couldn't even let out like a roar. I was so internally focused and just in such pain. And so they came to check me and they said, oh, you're six centimeters dilated. This was in the pre-labor and delivery room. Uh, So many questions are ready. Oh, go for it. Yeah. (laughs) So you're saying you weren't vocal. No, I was like, like just more like breathing down, like Mm. really just like breathing. I mean, you made it through a really long time with that kind of intensity. Was the hypnobirthing that you did helpful? Game changer. Game changer. Oh, it did. I listened to those affirmations in the car and we had them on repeat, like blasting in the car and everything that I had learned that I thought I forgot all came back to me. And it was like focus. It was like, do not exert any energy that you don't have to right now on anything else, but just focusing on getting to your destination, you Mm -hmm. know, and that's what it was. And I truly like, even though my birth plan in quote unquote did not go the way that I thought it would, it literally like the same thing with Dr. Goldberg, where it was like those eight months to prep was all that I needed. It was the six months of hypnobirthing that I had prepped beforehand that Mm -hmm. just kicked in. It kicked in. Was your exam? I mean, I can't even picture a comfortable position for them to do your exam. No, they were doing it on the back and I was miserable, but they had to, you know, I was like, I get it, you know, and then just like, is uh, the report six centimeters. What is that to you? Is that, that was nothing. That was nothing. You were like, I feel like I'm 10 and ready to push. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I definitely was a, a little deflating. I was definitely deflated, but I also knew, wow, okay, I did do six centimeters on my own here at home. You know, that's better than them saying three and a half, you know, Mm -hmm. and that's fine, you know, and what was encouraging, they kept saying, you know, wow, you're already at six, you might be moving along faster. And I had been with friends a couple of days before, and one of the women had had a c-section because she couldn't get past four and a half centimeters for like mm. day like days, so you're you like know? i'm past so that. i'm like well if i'm past that okay that seems to be all right you know and they brought me up to the labor and delivery room i had the most insane room ever and i don't remember it until after the birth but i looked back at pictures and video and i was like this is gorgeous oh my oh. gosh i had this Fabulous floor to ceiling windows. It was gorgeous. View of the Hollywood sign. Like the sun was just setting. Like everyone was excited. I had a bath. I had a shower. Like I was like hooked up. This must be room one or room two. It was room two. Uh Yeah. Yeah. It was room two. 
Yeah. It's it's so Hollywood. (laughs) So Hollywood. I felt so special. So I was like, oh, this is great. You know, I was so excited to take a shower because I'm such a water person and water is so healing to me. And I couldn't wait to stand in the shower and just have it on my back because that's what I had done earlier in the day. And that helped me a lot. I probably spent an hour in the shower earlier in the day and that had helped so much with my back. So I was so excited to get that moment. Right. And then they were like, oh, that's sweet. You're so far along. That's not happening. We have to hook you up to check the baby's heart rate. You know, I'm like, what? Wait, did you skip triage? No, triage is where they checked to see if I was six centimeters. But they didn't put you on the monitor there. They put me on a monitor for like a second, but I was in and out of triage in probably 20 minutes. Like, and they brought me right up to labor and delivery, like right up. And I was in there. Then they were checking the baby's heart rate and I was like, I'm so sorry. I can't sit on my back. And I have to give a shout out. There was a nurse named Kayla, who was my nurse. And she was the most incredible nurse I've ever had in my entire life. She was a game changer. And if I didn't have her, I don't think that I would (laughs) have been able to get through this, honestly, because she was just completely she had my back, pun intended, you know, (laughs) but, you know, she respected that I needed to walk around and that I was someone that didn't want to stay in one place. So she put the Bluetooth heart monitor on my stomach for the baby. Mm. But as technology is, it didn't work, (laughs) you know, and she kept having to unclasp it and put it back on because the heart rate would just disappear and she would panic and then put it back on. You know, it wasn't, it wasn't working to the point where then she said, I have to have it hooked up on the monitor, the non Bluetooth one, the like one that's actually plugged in. She sat on her knees for about an hour holding the heart monitor, finding the baby's heart rate for me. So I could still sit up and move around a little bit, but she was in control of constantly moving it. I gave her a pillow on her knees and she was like, it's fine. It's fine. Like that's how incredible this human was because she knew that I was in such back pain that I couldn't just lay there, but it was a scary thing because the baby's heart would just stop. And it wasn't that the baby's heart would stop. It was that the monitor, the monitor stop. couldn't find it. Right. So on top of all of the monitor stuff going on, my baby was flip-flopping from left to right every two mm. seconds. And she was not panicked. Her heart rate wasn't high. She just was moving her way down and like flopping like a fish going back and forth, like out of water. So you had the back pains and then she was flopping. Mm. And I was like, I can't do this. Like it was to a point where I was like, I don't know how I'm going to labor any longer because now they were like every 45 seconds to one minute. And I couldn't even have a break to have a sip of water before it would come again. Wow. And we walked to the restroom. I was like, I have to pee, take me to the bathroom. And my mom and I went to the bathroom and she looked at me and I had so much black under my eyes. I was white as a ghost She's like, I can't hold you up anymore. My husband couldn't hold me up anymore. Kayla couldn't hold me up anymore. I was so weak. She was like, Allison, we have to do something. Something has to happen, you know? And I didn't want an epidural, no matter what at all costs. But we had a secret word. If I said the word pineapple, pineapple meant I want an epidural. So I could scream epidural all I wanted, but until I said pineapple, pineapple was the real thing. So I looked to my mom and I started crying and I said, I'm a failure if I get an epidural. Oh and, yeah. 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 The Jewish guilt inside. Yeah. Huh. 
And she was like, no, you're not. You've labored this long. You have no idea what you're going through. And she was like, you're having a back labor. This is completely different than what you prepared for, you know? So I said, pineapple. And Kayla's like, you're sure? I go, pineapple. I screamed it as loud as I could. So they came in to give me an epidural. At that point, they needed to check to see how far I was. And I was eight and a half centimeters. Mm-hmm. And when they gave me the epidural, I had the biggest contraction yet while it was going inside. Oh, no, when you're supposed to sit there, not moving at all. Yeah. So I credit my hypnobirthing because I literally stared into my husband's eyes and was just breathing and breathing and breathing and thinking of my mantra and thinking of my affirmations. And it took about 20 minutes for the epidural to kick in. But by that point I was like, okay, we're good. Like we're, I can breathe and I could relax and I could rest. And so I'm a big transcendental meditation person, TM. So I took that opportunity. They were waiting for the doctor and they said, it's going to be about 15 minutes. I said, okay, I'm going to do my mantra and I'm going to meditate for 10 minutes while I have this epidural going and I'm not in pain. Once in a while, the story so captivating. Yeah, We go a little long yeah. and- we had an extra break. This is getting really good. We'll be right back. <laughs> Welcome back. We're talking to Alessandra. Oi. Okay. Pineapple. You know what pineapple. happened? I was at a birth where she forgot the word. She forgot the word epidural? No, she forgot their code word. Oh my God. I didn't know like this code word was a thing, but one of our mutual like Sergis and my like friends who just had a baby as well, they did this for their first birth and they were like, no, you have to come up with a code word. I was like, oh my God, that's so cool. So but they changed the code word a few times. I don't know why it's that important. You just pick a word and go with it. They changed the code word a few times during pregnancy and she forgot the code word and she was using an old code word. And it's like, are you serious? Or are you just, oh my God, she's like, oh my God, she's like, I'm a just armadillo oh my gosh oh He's my like, god hey we changed it to blue monkey okay oh my god <laughs> nope so okay. i said pineapple i did my transcendental meditation this wonderful doctor came in and she said uh we're just waiting for dr lebrant And I said, where's Dr. Vicky? And they go, he's not on call. So that was interesting. So, you know, after all that, you know, of the panic of me getting a new doctor and really liking that doctor, that doctor wasn't available. So talk about pivoting again. Um, And that was okay. You know, so Dr. LeBrant came in and she delivered one of my other friend's babies. So I knew that she was a wonderful, wonderful doctor that I was going to trust as well. And at that point, like I said, it doesn't really matter, right? You have a great surgeon and a great person, part of the group, like call it a day. And she came in and she was like, well, you know, we're basically ready. I have to go help this other person first. And, you know, I could hear the woman next door to me in room one screaming bloody murder. And I was like, oh my God, like, oh gosh, oh my gosh. You know, I was like, this is crazy. And she goes, we're going to do a practice push just to see where you're at and, you know, all this stuff. And at this point, my epidural started wearing off, but I did a practice push and this poor doctor, um, Savannah, wonderful, don't know her last name, but loved her. It was like out of a Fairly Brother movie, 
my rest of my water burst onto her face, onto her chest, onto Uh. her pants, into her hair. And it was like a water balloon and someone popped it. And it was like a movie. It was like the one you were looking for at the beginning. Right. That's right. So, <laughs> um, yeah, I got Wait, my This moment. is a nurse. It was a doctor who was, like who was a resident under LeBrant. Yes. Oh, I see. Okay. And she was so sweet. And she goes, we're totally fine. Um, I need to change. <laughs> I will be right back and we will go from there. And I said, <laughs> okay. So then here comes in Dr. Katz, the famous Dr. Katz. And he's kind of like the head honcho, I would say of the women's group. Right. When you say like, he's like the old school guy, like that's yeah, been around for sure. forever. And he comes in. And at this point, I'm a little loopy from my epidural, even though it's wearing off physically, I'm still a little loopy. And I said to him, I go, you know, Dr. Werber is the veterinarian that I go to, who's like one of his like dear friends. And I was like, I was just with Dr. Werber. We were talking about you, like all this stuff. He's like, so are we having a puppy right now? (laughs) I don't get your joke, but like, no, we're not. I'm just telling you, he says, hello. You know, I know all the good Jewish doctors. Okay. Like, you know, and he was like, well, I got to go help out this other girl because someone was getting a C-section. He's like, but I wanted to come in and like check up on you and make sure everything was okay. And I was like, Okay, you know, I'm like so confused. Like, why is everyone coming in to like talk like this baby's coming, you know? And at this point, they had told me I was 10 centimeters dilated and to close my legs until the doctor came. Oh, no. You know, and the nurse Kayla goes, you know, you could honestly pop this baby out on your own. And I was like, oh, my God, you know. So Dr. LeBrant comes in and she was great. And she laughs. She goes, you know, I was asleep and they were calling my boyfriend to see where I was. And (laughs) he says she's sleeping and they go, we need an extra set of hands. And I'm here. She goes, I'm rested. I'm feeling great. Let's get this baby out, you know. And as she says that, she goes, okay, let's get ready to push all the doctors, all the nurses, my mom, Sturgis, everyone stops because all of the electric shades in the entire room start going up and down on their own. What? Uh Uh-huh. I don't know if you believe in spirits, but I do. And everyone stopped. And Dr. LeBrant goes, you know, my dad comes to me through electricity all the time. And I said, well, my great aunt Claudia and my grandmother, Dorothy, come to me through electricity. And my mom goes, I think it's Dr. Goldberg. And it was like this really weird, like everyone had chills, like everyone kind of was like, what is going? And we were just watching them go on their own, like up and down, up and down, up and down. And then they stopped. And then she goes, all right, you ready to push? Let's get this baby out. It was so bizarre. Wow. One thing I'm forgetting Right before she came in, I felt everything. And I said that to them. And the guy who gave me the epidural was like, you shouldn't feel everything. I'm going to give you a labor push. There you go. Right. So like a light one or whatever that is, which let me tell you, I still felt everything. But like, thank God I had this. Mm -hmm. You'll know why. I did three sets of pushes right in a way. Like one, two, three, one, two, three, one, two, three. Baby was out. They told oh, wow. me it could take one to three hours. She was out in 45 seconds and I didn't scream. I didn't do anything. All I asked for was I go, I'm a hippie. And I was like, I just want you to cut my bra off. I can't breathe. I was like, I want to be naked. And like, everyone was like, oh my God, this is so weird. <laughs> Everyone's like a cute, like, you know, undergarments on or like a cute, like, you know, um, you know, shirt on. And me, I'm like, yep. I'm like, I want to be free. Like, let's go, you know? <laughs> And um, 
my beautiful baby came out to the end of that's amore and to the beginning of Frank Sinatra, luck be a lady. And she popped on out, came right here. And I had a second degree tear and they had to stitch me up and everything was great. And then everyone left the room and they go, you have a great baby. Your baby's so strong. They go, she literally swam out on her own. That was insane. It was pretty wild. And then I saw the nurse, Kayla, hit like a code red button. I saw my mom's face gasp. My husband almost fainted. And I started hemorrhaging blood clots after they sewed me up. So the doctor started coming in. Then more doctors, then more doctors, then more doctors, then ultrasound machines, then all this stuff. At this point, I wasn't aware of what was going on because I was like all baby, baby, baby. Baby was on your chest. Right. But I knew something was up because they kept saying, now you're going to feel this. You might feel pressure, blah, 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 all this stuff. The placenta also came out on a side note right after her, like pretty much the same time within like 30 seconds. So I saw this one doctor. He had sleeve tattoos. He was so cool so hip. And he was examining the placenta and he was trying to see if it was perfectly intact. And it was, and they couldn't understand why I was hemorrhaging blood clots, like really badly. They almost had to give me a blood transfusion, but it luckily didn't get that far, but they couldn't understand. And Dr. Savannah was so sweet. She goes, okay, you're going to feel this. And I look in the ultrasound and like, I would say the whole hand and like mid arm was in the ultrasound inside me. They were pulling out clocks and they were just pulling stuff out. They just didn't understand why it was stopping. And then afterwards, what I found out the next day through my husband is I guess they were doing a bi-manual massage on my uterus because my uterus didn't contract after I gave birth. So they were massaging it and giving it contractions manually to get it to stop like the blood clots and to get it to start retracting back. Um, Yeah. So that went on for a really long time. And by long time, I mean like 10, 15 minutes, but you know, like you can bleed out at 10 minutes, you know, Mm -hmm. like that's very serious. So I assume they're also giving you drugs. No, no, there was no time. Nothing to help you contract. They did when they started to get it going. Then they gave me Pitocin for, over 24 hours, which was so painful. Like, you know, I mean, I was in excruciating pain for 24 hours after, because, you know, I was like just on Tylenol and Motrin and then they have Pitocin going and I had just had someone's fist up my vagina. (laughs) It was Mm. like, and a baby came out, you know, it was, it was a lot, you know, but there were a lot of hands that were in there trying to get it to contract manually before they even did the Pitocin. So it was like, you know, I didn't realize how traumatic it was until afterwards when, you know, everyone's like, it's great. We're going to bring you down to postpartum. I go down to postpartum. And at that point it was seven in the morning because I gave birth at three 30 in the morning. So it was 21 hours of labor. Yeah. I mean, so, 21 hours, truthfully for a first baby, it's not super long, but, no. uh, but, but it unmedicated, was I think unmedicated and quite eventful and yeah. a back labor. So, you know, everything was fine and everything ended up being great. And the uterus was doing great, but I will say the, the trauma of it all really hit me the next night. You know, when I was in hospital, I just was crying and crying and crying and crying and crying because I just 
felt like so weak, you know, and I had lost so much blood and I just couldn't believe that that happened. And I didn't realize it, you know, but it was a blessing in disguise because I thought, you know what, if I didn't have the epidural, I wouldn't have been able to handle probably the birth, let alone them afterwards, the the after, (sighs) you know, so I'm a firm believer in you have to put everything in God, right. And say like, you know, what's meant to be is meant to be, you know, and as much as I felt like a failure in the moment before I got the epidural afterwards, I was like, thank God I did listen to my gut. And I did listen to my instincts because I wouldn't have been able to handle that. And it's interesting because I always thought, oh, maybe I'd have a home birth or something, but I'm also very realistic of if there's an emergency, I want to be there and have the best surgeons around me, you know? And it was one of those things where no matter what I would have done, even if I didn't push, even if I did in a certain angle at a home birth, it didn't matter because the uterus itself was just a weak uterus and I would have bled out and that would have been it, you know, if I did this at home. And so I'm very blessed and very lucky that I was around the best surgeons, you know, in the world that helped out and that were there within two minutes to just save me because I've never been in a situation where it's been so scary, right? Where I like think about it now. And I had my mom film the birth and it's crazy because I saw a little bit of the clot and I had to turn the phone off. I can't watch it. And I was like, that's so not me. Cause I'm someone that like yeah. loves gore and gush and stuff, but it was so traumatic. And I didn't realize that it was such a process to go through and, and how many women must go through this, you know, mm. but now I'm here and I'm home. with a really cute baby and she's real fun. And, you know, obviously sore as ever could be, but it's a good time. And I just feel really blessed and really happy. So did you go with my name, Orzo? I didn't go with Orzo. Her name is Lady. Oh, Lady. I mean, like, wow, with the music and everything. Yeah. Was that pre-planned? It was not. I have called her little lady in my belly for the entire time. And we did not think that was going to be the name at all. And, you know, we had to give the birth certificate. And I was like, I don't know what her name is going to be. We don't know, you know. And we had the last hour we were in the hospital in postpartum. An ear technician came in to test her hearing. And he says, oh, does she have a name? And we said, no, but I call her lady, you know. And he goes, oh, my gosh, Lady Adams. He's like, that reminds me of Shirley Temple. She's destined for stardom. And I was like, if you know me, like anyone that says Shirley Temple, I would get excited for. And this like young 22 year old kid like said, like Shirley Temple, I'm like, <laughs> what? And I and my husband, and I look at each other. We're like, well, that kind of sealed the deal. Like, that's what we want. So he's like, all right. So Lady Frances Adams is now part of this world. Beautiful. Yeah. Congratulations. Thank you. You worked for it. Yeah, I did. I mean, yeah, I'm so impressed, really, that you were able to just with so many twists and turns, starting, you know, with (laughs) Dr. Goldberg and then all the way through. I mean, it sounds like you almost went through every doctor in the practice. Um, I did. Yeah. Met them all, I think. Yeah. (laughs) And to just be able to roll with it. It's such a powerful example of what you're capable of. And I appreciate you for sharing that story. Oh, well, thank you for being a part of this because it literally like you've been such a godsend and truly like just so kind and so understanding and to be able to hear such unfortunate news from you is something that was all like part of the plan. You know, I really couldn't have heard it from anyone else. Truly. 
I'm uh, just honored to have been a part of your trusted team and to play a tiny role in your massive (laughs) journey. But you do a lot of work through your podcast to share important information and stories. How can we find you? Where do we find you? Yeah, it's called Emotional Support, but it's spelled emotional support. But everyone calls me Al, so it's easy that way. Emotional. Um, Motion now. And it's great. And this season has been dedicated. I recorded this season for all you are a guest. Your beautiful wife, Alyssa, is a guest. Um, And it's so great because I get to interview, you know, it's kind of like a live diary that I got to keep an audio diary Mm -hmm. of my journey of going through, you know, this pregnancy journey while being off my medication, I live with bipolar disorder. And so I talk a lot about that, but I also interview specialists and doctors and celebrities and, you know, talking about their own stories and not the in quote unquote birth stories, but their mental health stories and how they, you know, were able to cope, what tools, what resources, what modalities they practiced. And, you know, I interview wonderful postpartum specialists and just different types of crystal healers and all kinds of fun stuff. And then you, we talk about, you know, how important, you know, aligning your body is and before the birth process. And yeah, so it's great. So you can find it wherever you listen to any of your podcasts. It's just emotional support. Emotional support. And also where on the uh, social media? You can find me at Alessandra Torresani. It's a mouthful, but if you Google, it'll somehow figure out the name. <laughs> it does show up. Like even if you get close. You're, yeah. You're, you're the one who pops up. That's pretty good. Go for that. Yeah, go for that. <laughs> A-L-E-S-S. All right, Alessandra. Thanks again for being here and Thank to our listeners. You. Thanks for listening to us. And uh, if you want to connect, we're also on that Instagram thing. D-O-C-T-O-R-B-E-R-L-I-N. Doctor, doctor, give me the news. I got a whole lot of questions for you. This kid's going to test my will. I got a lot to learn and my brain. This episode is sponsored by an innovative product that's made a big difference for parents and babies alike, Dr. Mom Butt Bomb. As a parent of four, I've had my fair share of battles with diaper rash, often resorting to thick, unpleasant pastes. I only recently discovered Dr. Mom Butt Bomb, and I was immediately impressed by its pleasant consistency and ease of application. This pediatric-approved skin protectant is free from dyes, preservatives, and zinc oxide, making it perfect for your baby's sensitive skin. It's designed by a doctor who's also a mom, ensuring your little one gets the gentlest care. A small dab is all it takes to soothe and protect, avoiding the mess and hassle of traditional treatments. With ingredients like dimethicone and petrolatum, Dr. Mom Butt Bomb not only soothes, but also restores your baby's delicate skin. Available on Amazon.com and Walmart.com, it's the smart choice for every parent wanting to keep diaper rash at bay. Remember, with Dr. Mom Butt Bomb, nothing comes between you and your baby. Not even diaper rash.